This is The Authentic Professional. Real discussions with real people who work real jobs and live real lives. The Authentic Professional is hosted by Jacinta Gallant, a collaborative lawyer, mediator, and conflict trainer who decided to bring more of who she is to what she does. I'm Jacinta Gallant, and with me, as always, is my co-producer, Taylor Smiley, who is now officially a lawyer. Welcome, Hi, Taylor. Mom. <laughs> that was quite an event on Friday. April 24th, you got admitted to the bar in Prince Edward Island, Canada, in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, it's kind of a weird feeling. It's nice to finally be an official lawyer, but it's kind of like a birthday when someone asks you, how you feel, and you're kind of like, oh, I still kind of feel like myself. <laughs> but I guess something's a little different. Well, you woke up Monday morning and changed your email signature from article student to lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still getting used to seeing that, but it's nice. It's exciting. Yay. Well, welcome to the profession. I'm proud of you. Thanks. We had a chance to interview not a new lawyer, but not a, not a very senior lawyer, Alexa Turner, last week. Alex has been a lawyer for seven years, and, well, we've been friends, haven't we? I mean, you know Alexa. Yeah, Alexa's awesome. She's like a millennial inspiration for me in practicing law. Yeah, I like she's, she's very, like, straightforward and warm at the same time. Yeah, yeah, she balances out really well. So it was fun to interview her about, well, many, many things about being a lawyer, being a human being on this earth, and something that we've all been going through and so and and our listeners adjusting to like working from home in this pandemic. Yeah, I liked how uh, you and Alexa differed on how you've been working from home. Alexa said she's really felt having a schedule has been helpful and you kind of resist a schedule. <laughs> hey, <laughs> and I kind of I kind of fall on team Alexa on that. I've been trying to have a bit of a routine, but uh yeah, it's it's definitely adjustment, especially when my dog comes up and licks my toes like right now when I'm trying to do something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Alexa's puppy uh, entered into the picture as well when we were doing our interview. I mean, I think those of us who are dog lovers, and, and I guess we should also say pet lovers generally, have another layer of, of familiarity and security in working from home with those pets. I know Coach and Clay have been my buddies through all of this as well. But even even the comment you made raises those questions about personality type. And you're right. I mean, my, my type, which tends to be less structured and more spontaneous, is on some level thriving with the fact that I don't need to have the same routine that I have if I go to the office. But on the other hand, I, you know, I certainly see the value of, of my team, including you, bringing structure to how we get our work done. That's helped. Yeah, I think it's been, uh, I'm, I'm a type who likes lists and I like deadlines and living in a p pandemic where there seems to be no deadline on when this is going to end and no list on how to deal with it. I, I've been finding it a little difficult, but <laughs> starting to get used to it. Well, you know, it brings up a, a theme that, that Alexa mentioned in, in her, in the interview, and that was the experience that we're having about uncertainty and a lot of a lot of uh, mental health professionals are describing 
our experiences in many ways like grief and loss and that this is a very difficult time. Alexa said it, it was maybe for the first time in her life an opportunity to understand what our clients are going through when they come to see us facing so much uncertainty. Yeah, totally. So the, the ability to gain a perspective and, and develop empathy for situations that we might not have ever seen ourselves getting into is one of the benefits of this pandemic if you're open to that learning, I think. Yeah, it's kind of like we're all in this together. We might have different things we're uncertain about, but there's definitely a layer of uncertainty that's over everyone's life right now. So when we think about what the future is and what the new normal might be, here you are beginning your professional career as a lawyer in, in, well... In sweatpants on my couch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and all those clothes that we were going to buy when we were supposed to be traveling in March so that you'd be all suited up for being a lawyer. I mean, even, even putting that on hold is, while superficial, not trivial. Yeah. So the things that we talked about in this interview about the future had a lot to do with, hmm, I mean, really how to, how to, how to stand out in an uncertain future as a professional, and in this case, a lawyer, who's innovative and, and cares. Mm-hmm. So what did you think about some of the things Alexa said about that? I think Alexa, she's so, she's so authentic, for lack of a better word, when she speaks. And it seems like she knows herself and she knows who she is and she knows who she wants to be in business and in law. And I think that's, that's part of the reason she's such a good lawyer and innovator and she she focuses on being herself and being human for her clients which I think is is really important yeah I think I mean one of the reasons we called this podcast the authentic professional is that well I mean I've learned from my own practice that people can tell if you're if you're being fake and in many ways because of the work that we're doing with people who are going through a really difficult time in life Finding that way to bring yourself to the room, to the meeting, to the interaction, whether it's now technological and, and electronic or eventually back to being in person, uh, makes a huge difference. And I think that in some ways, this interview is about challenging the notion that you have to be sort of the wise, older, sage lawyer to bring that to the work that you do with clients. Because I think younger lawyers know that in order to survive in this industry, well, you have to develop your brand. And if it's not authentic, people aren't going to be as interested in working with you. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because people think of brands as kind of not being authentic, of being, I don't know, trying to sell you something or trying to, I don't know, make you believe something. But there is a different way of branding that really shows who you are and why you do the work you do. And that you want to help people. And I think Alexa talked a lot about that. Well, the whole idea, yeah, I like that because the whole idea of branding and marketing can seem like you're just trying to sell something. Yeah. Um, lately, I've been really thinking, though, that that one of the challenges that lawyers have in, in um, fighting the public perception that we're all like the litigious lawyers in the movie Marriage Story is that sometimes we have to tell more about ourselves, like what was the path that led us to choose this work, and that that storytelling might be the thing that helps clients choose you, because they're like, oh, I, I'm, 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 
I'm more interested in working with someone who chose this work than someone who just kind of fell into it or wants to fake it. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, it's only now that I've started when someone asks me what I do, say I'm a lawyer because I've only just become a lawyer. (laughs) But usually someone will follow that with, well, what kind of law do you do? And I always feel a little hesitant saying, oh, well, I do mostly family because people think that you're, I don't know, trying to get people to argue and make money and I don't know that you're hurting families. But and then it's hard to explain, well, no, like I went into this because I I want to help families and I want to leave people better than they came into the office and with a future that excites them and that kind of thing. So I think that goes into your branding as well. Yeah. And if it's authentically you, it'll it'll come off that way to clients. Mm-hmm. So, you you know, here you are beginning your law, beginning your official law career in a pandemic with some, I don't know, some pretty wise people who've gone before you who have, who have created a bit of a path towards being a lawyer and being okay with it. And I want to say again, welcome Taylor to the profession and, um, and I'll just say, I hope that you and me and Alexa and Alexa's mom, Victoria, can have some fun together like we did this time last year when we got together to really talk about what it means to be a small boutique firm, what it means to be a mother-daughter firm, and how we can be innovative and inviting to the public so that we can do good work. Yeah. So listeners, I hope that this podcast will inspire you to take another look at lawyers if you're not a lawyer. And if you are a lawyer, I hope this will inspire you to bring more of you. Well, bring more of you to what you do. <laughs> well, that's our, that's our thing, the authentic professional. So anyway, I wish we could be in the same room together, Taylor. It will be a couple more weeks before we can do that. And uh, when we do, I can't wait to give you a big hug to congratulate you and welcome, welcome you to this legal profession. Thanks, Mom. Enjoy the episode, everybody. Today's guest is Alexa Turner from Resolve Dispute Resolution in Toronto. Alexa is a collaborative lawyer and mediator committed to helping families resolve their disputes respectfully. She's innovative, empathetic, a good listener, and a lot of fun. I hope you'll enjoy the interview. Hey, Alexa, welcome to the show. Hi, Jacinta. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm wondering, since you've been home with your puppy named Penny and your husband, what tips do you have for our listeners who might still be listening to this during some kind of sheltering at home? How do you cope? So first of all, I think we're going to have some form of sheltering at home for a little while. I I hope it doesn't look as strict as it is now. Um, but I, I think my number one tip is to create a schedule, just like waking up and going to work. You wake up and go to work. It just happens to be in my house down the stairs instead of out the door and to somewhere. Um, and really creating a day of work and then putting that work away. For me, that's actually physically closing my computer, shutting it down and, and working in a different room so that there's a work time and there's a home time. Um, 
and making sure you're being healthy. Like I exercise every day via, I belong to this really uh, boutique gym who are getting so hit hard during this time. And they're offering these amazing Zoom classes with everyone who's in the class. So there's an opportunity to connect as a community. So I think it's, it's maintaining the schedule, um, even though that might be in different parts of your home. Yeah. I, what are you doing? Well, I, I found the same thing. Um, I'm now living in our partially constructed home near the beach. So we have lots of outdoor open space. But where I'm living inside is an open timber frame barn with a loft. Like it's, <laughs> it's gorgeous, but the only door that closes is the bathroom. So I'm here with my yeah I'm here with my husband and our two labs and our kids are sort of in the city still living living their their young adult lives and I have found it very hard to stick to a schedule. So two weeks ago, oh, yeah. I got called out. My husband says like, when do you close the books? And so I yeah. had to do exactly what you're now yeah, telling. Thank you for telling me. Uh, what my <laughs> husband told me two weeks ago, he's like, it's too easy to take all this creative energy. And when I can't express it socially, express it in ideas and, and putting out great plans for what's going to happen and following up on who's doing what where and exhausting myself. So Yeah, yeah. I also think for people, just as I know you and I are the same way, like I'm very, um, when there's, you know, I'm like, let's get going. There, there's time here. We're in a crisis. How can I help? Like I want to be part of, even though I'm not at all on the front lines, in you know, a matter of speaking that way. And I think what that can ignore is that actually we're also living this reality where we don't know what comes after day after day. And that does take a toll on you too. And I think if you don't create boundaries for just rest and your own emotional energy and managing the grief of your clients and the profound uncertainty that they all have, um, you're not serving them very well. And, and you're totally burning yourself out at a time where, you probably can't afford to be burnt out. Um, so I've actually always been pretty regulated with my schedule. Like I'm pretty good at being like, this is home time and this is not home time. And I usually break it up with like either a walk of the dog or whatever to try to make sure that I can't really go from like work to like watching TV. That just, <laughs> just feels like too metal. There needs to be like an outside component in between. Yeah. So thank you for acknowledging that. I mean, we're both family lawyers. We both work with families who are going through one of the most difficult experiences I think people can go through. There are certainly worse experiences, but we're dealing with clients going through grief and loss, anxiety, worry. I mean, they're worried about money. They're worried about their kids. They're worried about their future. There's a sense of loss of, of hopes and dreams. And I know that my first day back sort of at the work at work uh, a couple of the new calls that came in were people who were barely holding it together it was so hard to I don't know like I wanted to be nesting myself in this sense of we're all in this together let's let's be kind to humanity and then to see people doing things that are actual real jerk moves that are affecting families and children, just, I, I found myself quite upset and, and, and in many ways triggered by it. So it, it got me thinking about the importance of the, it was also not in the type of work that I like to do, which is the same as you, work collaboratively, work to help people elevate their values and their behaviors to do the best 
thing possible to have to have the healthiest change for their family. And so I found that really well, hard. Yeah, and I think what I've really taken away from this time as kind of a practitioner with families who, you know, I've never been divorced, so I've never, I don't know what that experience is like for clients. I can't relate to that in the same way. But I would say that this is the first time where I can relate to a profound sense of I don't know what's next. And that must be what it's like when you separate, especially after a long relationship. This just, you just don't know what you're up against. And we're all there now. We're all not sure what we're up against. And I think if anything, it brings a human element to what we do. And it, it makes me really realize how important it is to touch base with clients about exactly where they're at and making space for that to be wherever that may be, right? Because everybody is just trying to cope. Um, and not everybody is able, you know, my, my mechanism for dealing with things is optimism. That isn't for everybody, right? Some people feel that that, um, that I'm actually minimizing the way they feel when I skin it in a way that feels positive. It makes, it diminishes the fact that they feel scared or hurt or worried. Um, and so for me, it's been a really interesting lesson in client management about asking open-ended questions versus assuming I know what they, they're going through or spinning it into a way that makes me feel more comfortable and the way I'm dealing with it, which is, we'll be fine. Because that's, that is how I manage things that I'm not in control of. Well, wow. that's not for everybody. Well, that's, that's a great perspective to gain at, at, I think it's, you're seven years into practice. And I'm pretty sure it was 10 years before I realized that I didn't know it all. <laughs> but you know, I, but I didn't know, have a pandemic. Think, to be fair, yeah, true, I hadn't true. had a pandemic. But also for me, you know, I, I worked at a really big firm for a while where you're, you're, there's no way you could think you knew it all because you just don't. Because you're thrown into the fire every day. And then obviously I started my own, own practice with my mom. And then I really didn't know it all, but I really didn't also know the business side of it. And so I feel like I have yet to be in a place in my career where I'm like, oh, I, like, I, you know, I, I do have days where I'm like, I got this. And I think from, you know, I know what my skills are and what I need to work on, but I do feel like I am learning and I have been learning pandemic or not <laughs> every day, <laughs> trial by error, yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah, clients and life are, are great teachers. I'd like to actually, you brought up the whole, the whole piece about business and some of the things that you and I have chatted about as as friends and colleagues is is how does a lawyer how do we manage our businesses and 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 what is it about being a professional that makes us think we are also then really great at being entrepreneurs what are your thoughts on that yeah so I think most lawyers unfortunately are not good business people and I also don't think that's their fault I think we're not taught to be I don't think we're taught from the get-go that law is a business and it is a business. I mean, it, it isn't if you, you know, work for the government or whatever, but if you're in private practice and you're accepting fee for service, you're running a business. And I think as part of a business owner, you need to be innovative and you need to know what your brand is and you need to know what it is that you're, what is your value add to the, the market in which you're serving? And I just don't think any lawyers are taught that. And I think until you do it and it's, harder if you do it later in your career when so many of your habits and expectations of your day-to-day -day working life have been established, I think it's really hard to do and figure out. And I think it's a steep learning curve. And I think some people are kind of business savvy and some people aren't, but I also think you don't know what you don't know. So if you're never taught it, 
right? You're really borrowing and learning. And I think most lawyers in private practice need to look at themselves as business owners first and lawyers second, because ultimately you need to know what your business is serving, right? And that's not everything for all people. Yeah, certainly there's been a huge move towards niche or boutique practice because the law has become, well, even though it's it's slow to change, it's it's become, uh, it seems a requirement to, to have a bit of a specialty. So the specialty that you and I chose was to focus on families going through separation and divorce and the pieces that, all, that also go with that. When you think about it <clears throat> from a business side, there's a lot of competition out there to say, you know, divorce lawyers suck and you should do it yourself. And it's, it's made me often think, if we're competing with a do-it-yourself operation, what's wrong with our brand? Oh, 100%. And I think just a caveat of that, I think there are people that can do it themselves. And I think that it's important for us, to, that goes back to this idea of who is your market. The people that can actually do it themselves are not my market. But there are a huge population of people who think they can do it themselves and can't. Or they do it and they don't do it well. They don't protect themselves from a, an agreement that's in a last perspective. They create, they make a lot of promises to their partner they actually can't meet because they didn't know the law or they didn't know once they knew the law that they would actually think differently about what they were prepared to do. And so I think there's a big market of people who say, well, I, you know, I'm not a gazillionaire, so I don't need like this Cadillac service. So I'm going to just try it on my own. And those are the people in my business that I've really tried to say, and I know you have just said, but how can we help you? How can we help you do it well? You know, if you're two young people with no kids and barely any assets, you don't need lawyers. Like, and I think there's lawyers that are saying, you know, we're for all people. We are not. But I think that goes back to this idea of branding and who you are, what is your client, what do you serve? You know, we just hired someone to help us with our social media, and she asked us these questions, which was, who is your client? And I was like, anyone divorcing? And she's like, that's not an answer. <laughs> that's not an answer. Where do they live? What is their age demographic? What is their income level? Right? And, and then I know for you, you've created a tool for people to help streamline those fees, right? Like, so I, I think there are some really creative ways we can help more and more people without the traditional billable hour. But I do think it's the innovation of law that's going to keep lawyers relevant and, and, and needed. And I don't think there will be a day where everyone can just say, I'll just follow these steps and separate. That would just pretend like people have no emotion, which is untrue. Right. Um, I, I wanted to pick up on something that you said, though, because earlier you mentioned the need for us to learn the business side. Right, so that we're not taught it, and and one of our, we should realize that we need to learn that. But you just said something about working with someone who challenged your notion, even of who your client is, of who your, of who your customer is, and I think that sometimes we insulate ourselves within our own industry, and we're not bringing in the views from outside. So therefore, we're blind almost to the, I don't know, sometimes ridiculous notions we have about who's going to pay for our services and who's going to who's going to appreciate the value that we bring. So thank you for that, because I sure. think one of the innovations in law that you and I have both embraced is, is having, having what's not just the desire, but the commitment to working with other disciplines, working with mental health professionals or financial professionals who can actually bring a perspective, a skill set, and even a mindset 
to the challenges facing our clients and our openness to working with them is in innovation. Oh, for sure. And, I, you know, it's funny you speak about, you know, this idea of who's prepared to pay us. And I think in this climate more than ever, we are going to see that people are not prepared to continue on with the kind of fee-for-service that we've been doing. I think we're going to see a lot more flat fee. We're going to, people are going to be using, I know, the workbook you've created. People are going to create other tools that are helpful that help minimize costs. And I think as lawyers, we need to jump on board and help create versus stand in the way of what I think will be really helpful um, ways to serve clients that are going to survive COVID. Um, I think we've needed a push to do it. And I think this is our push to really be, you know, I have lawyers that say, I don't know what a file costs to run it from start to finish. I don't know. And I'm like, that's like saying, I'm going to, you know, let me renovate your home. But I have, I, I don't know what it's going to cost. Not even a bulb. I don't know. I don't know. It could be uh, $5,000. It could be a hundred. I don't know. Just write me a blank check and, and we'll see. We'll just see. And maybe you'll have a roof on your, you know, maybe you can afford the roof and maybe you can't because I didn't prepare you at all for what this might cost. And I, and I'm not talking about one lawyer. I'm talking about a lot of lawyers. I spoke about this issue um, with colleagues and I got a lot of good feedback after being like, Oh my God, I'm that lawyer you described. Who's just like, here's my retainer and we'll touch base after that. When I, I need just, more. <laughs> When I need yeah, to top up your retainer. Yeah. And, and, and then this resistance of like, well, I don't know what it's going to cost. I don't know. I don't know. Every family's different. And it's interesting because I actually quote a file after the first meeting every time. And I tell them what is involved in my quote and what might go up and what might go down. And here are the, here are the ways you can help control your fees. And here's where we're going to touch base about them. And how are we going to pay for them? And is it through a line or a savings account? Um, and, you know, let's touch base. And there are files where I'm spot on and others where I'm not. But I've touched base. You know, you know pretty quickly when you have a call with the other lawyer, if, you're, if your stories are so not the same and, you know, all of a sudden we have all, this whole other dynamic you didn't anticipate, it's going to be a lot of money, right? And you got to go to your client and talk to them about that. Um, and I think that as lawyers, that's, for me, that's the first, piece of this innovation is how do we create related, like, how do we talk about money with clients? How do we, um, how do we, you know, we are the only, and I'm calling this a product, even though we're a service, we're the only thing you pay for that seems to not have a price tag other than an hourly rate. It's bizarre. Um, and so I think we're going to be changing that. And I think COVID will demand that we do because people just won't have the same amount of money to do it and they won't be willing to spend the money to do it. So we'll see what comes out of it. It'll be cool. Yeah, and I mean that might have happened anyway because as the as as well, I give I give a lot of credit to millennials. Two of my kids are millennials, and I and you are. And I think that in many ways it was going to change anyway. I mean, really, who's going to pay the high senior family lawyer hourly rate in Toronto or even in Charlottetown to have something explained that you could get on an app or online? for us to deliver the services that are really valued, we need to find a way to integrate that, supporting them to get information and do what they can do, even if it's not by themselves, but in support of their work with us. And, and so this whole yeah. idea of flat fee in family law, I mean, how many times in my career, in response to the question about what it might cost, 
do we say it depends? And it does, yeah. but that doesn't make the consumer, the client feel any better that it depends. And the efficiencies that we can build in include the roles that other professionals can play in helping, helping the client solve the things that get in the way of the piece that we need to help them manage. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes me think, you know, um, I've never had a client say to me, you know, the thing you did best was explain to me the law of child support. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like that's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I can give it a good go and I obviously know it, but that's not the highlight of the service that I'm providing. What, you know, that is something I've had to pay attention to. What is the feedback? And the feedback has been the way you've, you know, captured both of our goals, the way you've stayed, you know, you've been able to bring the other person's perspective in the room when I didn't think I was able to hear it, the way you were able to help me figure out what I wanted, the way you were able to come up with creative solutions for how we were going to step, like, that's the feedback that I'm getting and that is what I consider my value add. That's where my, that's what I should be charged for. You know, that's where you can't get it out of a book. Right. You can't. That is a human being offering a service that requires a brain. And, you know, you don't need to be charging to explain tables that are now available on the Internet. Um, but, I, you know, some people might need that and that's OK, but many don't. And, and the millennials who use the Internet and Instagram and everything else for everything um, don't. Yeah. Which brings us back to the pandemic, the idea that there's another generation of lawyers who are graduating, finishing articling, and in fact, given today's date, I'll say, tomorrow, Taylor, our, my co-producer, my daughter, the other member of my firm, just like you have your firm with your fabulous mother, she gets called to the bar tomorrow. Now, That's so exciting! You know, and, and because of the innovations we've made in our firm and in, and in, in the other aspects of, of, of our work, She's going to be fine as a having a career path that that she can probably make some good decisions about. But I know many of the students who graduated with her are either never got jobs or are potentially out of a job. And so yeah, yeah. that's the reality. How yeah. can we offer hope to those young lawyers? You know, I think it would be, I feel for those articling now without a job. Um, I think that lawyers are suffering financially, so I can only imagine that their, their resources to hire on support um, are, are also either gone or diminished for sure. But I also think it's, it's a fabulous opportunity for articling students to remember that they have something to offer lawyers, right? This isn't a one-way train. There are older lawyers that need help. They don't know how to, they do not know how to manage their firm and their files in a way that is commensurate with modern times. And I think, you know, look, I, is Zoom working for us? It sure is. Do I want to go back? Do I want to live a life where everything is on Zoom? No, I do not. Do I think there is still value to in-person meetings that you cannot achieve on Zoom? I do. But I do not think we're going to go back to a time where nothing is on Zoom. I think there's going to be a really interesting hybrid. And I think there's going to be a need for your files to be electronic. Like, there's going to be a need to be in the digital age in a full way to operate a practice, especially if you're a sole practitioner. And I think articling students need to think about what can they offer these people that they already know, right, in exchange for learning the hard skills. Like, is there a way to partner up with an, a lawyer and say, look, 
you're struggling to get your, your practice going through COVID, I can do that for you. And I want to learn from you about how I do run a file and, you know, how I do do client management. And I think that will be really important to know what it is you can offer and figure out what the market needs and serve it. Yeah. And, and, and that goes back as well to the question of how the public perceives lawyers and the practice of law. So whether there's clients out there looking for a different brand of lawyer and what by brand, actually, I'd love to chat with you about brand, but by brand, I mean, you're identifying your authentic uh, value. You're, you're saying, this is who I am. This is what I offer, not just branding to market to get into some niche that isn't you. How have you approached that in your new, I mean, your, your, your firm, you and your mom have a partner, our partners in your firm. It's been launched for... Yeah, two years. Um, so we spent a lot of time figuring out what is our brand and also what is our what is what is Victoria's brand and what is my brand too. Because you know, and then as a firm, what is our combined brand? Because those are important things, right? We do Victoria and I service, although we provide similar value, and and we hope that no matter who you talk to at our firm, there's a certain experience created in terms of the demographic of clients that we're we're attracting. They're different, right? Um, and our expertise are different, and our price tags are different, right? So we're not, we aren't trying to be, uh, we're actually trying to offer a bigger market by having both of us, much like I'm sure you and Taylor are doing, right? There's just, if they were able to offer uh, more people our services as a result of having both of us at our, at our different levels of expertise. But we've spent a lot of time thinking about a couple things. One is, who is our client, right? Who are they? Um, and what kind of client service are, have we heard and gotten feedback that they need and want that we think based on being, you know, separation lawyers that, that we know they, they need and want, and how are we providing that service to them from the minute they walk in the door till the minute they leave our office and, and making sure there's a consistency to that. So for example, one of the parts of our brand is we really want clients to know we're available to them. That doesn't mean every night and all weekend. It means I'm not taking so many files that I don't know who the person is when they pick up the phone and that I have time within 24 hours or 48 hours to have a phone call with them and manage their file and that my schedule isn't hindering their ability to move it forward. That's one of the things we, both of us offer, right? That we are going to have time for your file. I'm going to know the name of your kids. I'm going to know who you are. I don't, right? I'm not flipping through my notes, figuring out what did we talk about yesterday? I know what's going on with you because it's important. <laughs> That's part of our brand. That's what we're offering, right? And other lawyers would say, well, I'm a volume practice. Like I just got to go, right? And that's, that might be their brand. It's not ours, right? Our brand is we don't go to court. So if you're someone who wants to do a really adversarial process, we're not good for you. So what are we putting out in the world that shows client attentiveness, right? The fact that we're, we offer a humane practice. You're human to us. You are, you know, we, we respect and want to help your family and we don't want to do it in a way that's destructive. Um, and for me, you know, we've really created and who are our clients, you know, from my, from my mom, it's business owners and people with really complex financial issues. For me, it's kind of everybody else. Um, and I get the, a really cool perspective. You know, I represent, you know, two moms, two dads, polyamorous families, you know, people that are struggling. Um, 
with mental illness and physical illness. Like I see everybody and it's friggin' cool to be able to have like a screenshot into their lives. Yeah. Well, and they can feel that. I mean, you and I were on uh, uh, the Lawtrepreneur Summit last week. And by the way, if you haven't listened to any of the sessions at the Lawtrepreneur, we'll post something about it. It was fabulous, basically looking at lawyers as business people who want to do good in the world, which is, of course, the brand that I want to put out there. And so one of the points was around um, what clients expect of us. And I, I made the point that in our office, if I'm available and it's a new client cold call, I'll, I'll take the call because I want to understand the complexities and also I want to give them a voice so they understand that we care. Also, it's an effective business tool because if they're looking for someone that isn't like what we offer, someone who wants to go to court and fight, then I can refer them and quickly move it on so that I'm not spending the time in a meeting that isn't going to go anywhere. But the number, well, the, other, the number of times people say to me, oh my goodness, I, I actually get to speak to you as if there's some like, I don't know, protocol that you don't get to actually speak to your lawyer. I'm like, who buys without, you know, without trying something out? So, uh, But the other half of that is that also everybody is now offering a 15 minute call, right? For free. So I always encourage, I said, call two or three lawyers, get a feel for who they are right? Make sure I'm the right fit for you. I'm expensive. And the, uh, we always say the number one choice you're going to make that's going to shape the way this goes is who you hire to work with you. Yes. Right. If you hire someone who doesn't fit your needs, you are not going to be show up as your best self. You're going to be struggling in the process. It's such an important decision. So from a business perspective, it's also like, do you know your brand in that first 15 minutes? Because if you don't, and you find, you know, that other lawyers say, yeah, like, I feel like all clients now are calling three or four lawyers. And, like, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to nail them down and get retained. And it's funny because I don't find that. I yeah. find that I'm encouraging them to do that. I I know my brand. I know, you know, I've really learned what does that call need to achieve. It's not to, supposed to be freely, lily, you know, hi, how are you? What can I tell you about myself? Like, they don't know. Right. This is probably the first or second divorce lawyer they've called in their whole life or lawyer, period. Right. They don't know what questions to ask. Um, so what are you telling them about you? Right. How are, are you checking in? Are you saying, how are you? Right. I got retained literally after 30 seconds when a client, it was Christmas time and she was left and she was blindsided and she has a two year old and she was scared. And she called me and she's like, you're the third lawyer I've called. And I just said, wow. How are you doing? Yeah. What a time. What a time. And she literally started to cry. And she's like, no other lawyer has asked me how I am. And I said, I, I kind of think we're entering into the holidays. And I think that I'd love to meet with you if you want to. Um, but we probably should wait to January because I think there's a little bit of healing to do. If you have any immediate questions, happen to do it earlier. I'm not you. I don't know what you need. But I would just imagine if I were in your shoes, it would all feel really big and like it was moving fast. And literally, she didn't call me for six weeks. She's like, thank you so much. I'm going to think about it. And in six weeks, she called me. She's now a client. And she said, the reason why I hired you is because of that call. Yeah. That's why. Um, and so, first of all, that's just me as a person. Like, that makes me just want to know how you are. I'm a human being before I'm a lawyer. But also, it's my brand, right? And so that needs to be conveyed 
from the very first time you email, like I put exclamation marks in my email because if you don't like those, you probably shouldn't work with me. I'm pretty like, we're going to do this. It's going to be okay. Right? So I want to convey that right off the, the get-go, that you're in good hands. Here's my style. Here's my approach. Um, but it takes a long time for young lawyers to be comfortable in being them. And I use the exclamation mark because so many uh, firms are like, you can't use that in Google <laughs> correspondence. It's a rule? Didn't know. I don't know. I never used it. And I'm like, I love them. I just think it's like, nice to meet you. Right? Like, that's how I'm saying it. Yeah. Exclamation point. Um, right? So finding your voice and your brand and figuring out what works and what doesn't. Obviously, you got to be professional. But, you know, figuring out, you know, I use a lot of humor. Like, you know. God, if you're good, you can cry and you can laugh and you can do it all at the same time. And you got to figure out what it is you're offering. And that's the business side of this to me. Yeah. And, and, and if it's not authentically you, it's not going to come across anyway. I mean, the reason I called this the authentic professional is because I, I really, I really want people to understand that bringing more of you to what you do is a good business move as well as a good decision as a human being on this earth because we spend so many hours of our day doing our work. I had a client yeah. I had a client last week who's been listening to this podcast and is not a lawyer. She works in an entirely different industry. And she was moved by listening to people who were actually lawyers talking about how hard it is sometimes because of the public perception and she said, I experienced that myself in my role. And so it is, it's about being a human in this work that we do. And this, this season's focused on lawyers because I'm a lawyer and I know lots of really fun and interesting lawyers. The, the, thing that, the thing that this brings to mind, though, is this other point. When, when someone like you says, this is the way I do it, it can seem really easy. Well, you know, you're confident. Well, you're, you've got a theater background. Well, you've got a puppy. Well you're supported, whatever that is. And, and I want to make sure people understand that who you are in your job makes a difference to people, no matter which personality you bring to it. What could we say, though, about the value of hiring someone to help you develop that? You, you know, you talked a little bit about it, what, yeah. Yeah. To me, I, I, I'm a firm believer of, of hiring people for their expertise, yeah. much like I don't do my own taxes because I don't understand how to do that. And I hire an accountant. I also, even though I'm a millennial, I don't know actually the business of social media and how you promote a business and how do you promote a non-product business, right? Products yeah. are easy to take pictures of. How do you promote a service? I don't know. I really don't know. And I think there's an expectation that millennials do. And I think some of them probably do. But to me, you know, we hired a social media marketer. That is what we hired. We hired someone else to do our website. We hired, right? You find people are now quite niched in the marketing world. And I think they also are there to help you figure out the answers to some of the questions that we're talking about and make you feel comfortable and confident that that is who you are and that you spend time figuring out, you know, they had a, about 30 questions for us about our brand and I thought they were fantastic. I'd never really given it a ton of thought, even though I was like, look at me go. Like, I love the colors of my logo which I do, but you know, that, that, that's a minor part of your brand, right? The bigger part is really figuring out what you have to offer. And I don't think it's an overnight exercise. I think it's an investment in your business that takes time and you need to hire the right people 
much like we tell people they have to hire the right lawyers for their separation, you need to hire the right professionals um, to really help you with that. And I think that can be scary out the get-go because there are, there are costs to all of that, right? And if you're up and coming, that can feel really scary and like you don't have the funds. And I think what a lot of people don't actually know is it's pretty expensive to operate as a lawyer. We have big, you know, we, at least in Ontario, I'm not sure what they are in PI, like our law society fees and our insurance. And there's like lots of, just to even breathe as a lawyer, you need to cover. So it can feel scary to then go out and hire kind of um, ancillary people to help you. But I think they can be the best investment you make. Well, yeah, it's an investment in your future and you're able to actually get to the work that you can actually productively do to earn your income. I will say there's one thing I really wished I had learned to do myself before this pandemic and that's cut my hair. <laughs> uh, like yeah. I've got, there's a I hair, people are offering. there's a hair 911 call coming in very soon. Uh, and so it's funny because I know of many of my friends and colleagues who are spending time not working with their clients where they're generating revenue, creating their website. I'm like, you're hours into that. Imagine if you had hired the expert and shown the respect for what they can bring and actually kept working. Uh, or hire the expert now. Like if you're finding in COVID your business is slower than it usually is, you should be spending, what a gift. Spend those hours. Like it won't always be. Yeah. It just won't always be. And, you know, we can't just expect that clients are always going to just roll through the door. Like, I was listening to a great webinar. My mom was a part of it, but Liz Ferris, who does marketing for the IACT, which is our international organization of collaborative professionals, was talking about marketing tips that you can do. And she was like, you should be spending half an hour. I don't know if she said a week or a day. I think it might have been a week <laughs> on your business. <laughs> I was like, a day seems like a lot. But anyway. The point was, every week, you should have a touchstone of what you're doing. Are you writing a blog? Are you doing a webinar? What are you doing to forward your brand and your business? And if the answer is waiting for the phone to ring, it won't work. So if your website is, you know, stale, if you don't have social media, right, you, these are times where you might think, maybe I'll take some, I have finally some time to think about it. Maybe this is the time to dig my heels. And it may feel counterintuitive because you're earning less money. But ultimately, this is how you build it back up, especially if you want to keep practicing and have a practice that you actually like and feel you do well at. Yeah. Well, that's good advice. I think that in addition, it's important to remember that lawyers' reluctance, lawyers reluctance to market or advertise is because I think the impression in the public, or at least how we perceive that we are perceived, is that we're slick or we're just trying to get their money. And it's so far from the truth for most of my friends and colleagues who are lawyers. I think that there's a certain need for us to show ourselves. And if you're not comfortable showing yourself in visuals or, or video or audio, and I want to respect that that isn't for everyone, make sure you're working with someone who can help tell your story, the story of you and what you want to do to help people, because that's what resonates. Oh, for sure. And maybe you're a great writer and, you know, or maybe you're someone who is reading a lot about this stuff and has some great content to share. Like there is so many ways to get your voice and who you are out there. And I, I think if you're doing something that makes you uncomfortable to go back to the authentic lawyer, then you're not doing it right. Right. It should, I mean, there's leaving your comfort zone to a certain extent. And being like, ah! <laughs> but ultimately, if you're like, you know, Ultimately, there should be a level of, this is still within the realm of things I want to like to do, right? In a way that I'm comfortable. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thanks a lot. I mean, I'm really hoping that, that the many great ideas and thoughts that you've shared with us today will help not just lawyers uh, enjoy going to work more whenever we're actually able to walk out our doors and to feel inspired that, you know, basically do you and that whatever that is, is going to make you happier at work and help clients be drawn more to what you have to offer. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jacinta. I think this is great. Yay. Can't wait to see you again. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see everyone oh, again. <laughs> oh, goodness. Imagine All right. there is a future where people might be listening to this podcast and it's like we're all, whatever the new normal is going to be, it's begun. And so for those of you listening then, it's like back to the future or it is the future. Um, hello <laughs> and enjoy the fresh air it's and nice the friendliness. Well, even if you're watching anything, like like even if I've, I've been watching a movie and people are touching one another, I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. So it cha it's changed things so much that those hugs are going to be really welcomed. Anyway, thanks for chatting, Alexa. Enjoy the Thank rest you. of your day, day with your with your puppy and your hubby at home. I, I will. You too. <laughs> Bye.